And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Bungie? That's Carl. I'm at him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to the Martin and Lewis show from 1949. Then we'll free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure on Escape from 1954. And by my side is my co-host with the mostest, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Happy to be by your side, Carl. Thanks, Lisa. You're a thorn in my side. Yes, That's what you are. Yeah, I feel that way sometimes What's as well. happening in Hollywood? Harry Connick Jr. is about to make his debut as the host of Harry, a syndicated daytime talk show. Have oh, really? No, I didn't. Okay, so his path to daytime talk shows started really with the David Letterman show. Uh-huh. He was guest host on there 21 times. Really? Which is enormous. Huh. Um, and he started, of course, as a jazz musician and went on to be an actor. And now... He's a, kind of a, a man TV of many talents. Isn't he? David Letterman says, and I quote, He's one of these guys I dislike intensely. He can play the piano. He can sing. He's very funny. It's just not fair. Right. He's handsome. He's probably got lots of women. Knocking on all, his door. All of the above. So he Harry, can sing. right? Man, well you can he's sing. He's tall. You're tall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tall next to little people. You're tall and you're yeah. handsome and you can sing. Well, you're I can't. Like Harry. I can't argue with you. You know. Maybe why one why day, should I argue with you, Lisa, right? Right, there'll be a talk show named Carl. Right, just Carl. <laughs> just Carl. Yeah. Um, so this will be on an afternoon time slot in major markets. It's going to be a mix of music and comedy and taped field pieces, and he's going to do a lot of interactive. I won't with watch it, though, because he's just too good looking. And talented for me, it, oh. it kind of makes me it makes me feel inadequate. Really? Yeah. So I won't watch it. Oh well, that jealousy yeah. is not attractive. I know, but at least I'm honest about it. That's for sure. All right, so it's time now for the conclusion to the Martin and Lewis show from 1949. The boys think they witnessed a murder. Lisa, here's part two, the conclusion of the Martin and Lewis show. Come on, Dean. Let's go to the police station. Jerry, maybe we'd better forget about the whole thing. Forget that we've seen a murder committed? Dean, what are you saying? I couldn't forget the whole thing. What would my scoutmaster say? (laughs) Jerry, are you still a Boy Scout? Yes, and don't forget, a Boy Scout is loyal. A Boy Scout is truthful. A Boy Scout is trustworthy. And next week, I'm joining the Girl Scouts. (laughs) Joining the Girl Scouts? Why? A Boy Scout also likes to have fun. Well, Jerry, we still have quite a problem on our hands. You know, if nobody will believe we saw a murder, what are we going to do? we got to get to the police station. Oh, this being in a police station makes me kind of nervous. Come on, Jerry, let's talk to the desk sergeant. I beg your pardon, sir. Oh, hello. Uh, find a stray dog? No, this is my partner, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, I suppose it's all right, then. Sure it's all right. I got a license. <laughs> Look, Mr. Policeman, we just saw a murder committed. Yeah, over at the Plaza Hotel, and there was terrible blood all over the place, hollering and screaming. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it, Jerry? Yeah, it was murder. <laughs> Look, I know all about you guys. They called me from the hotel. You're just troublemakers, and I don't want to hear anything. Oh, troublemakers? Yeah. Hey, Charlie, throw these troublemakers out. Okay, Joy Boys. Here we go. Up to Daisy. Hey, hold on there. You... Well, that was a bright idea. Now what will we do? I know. Let's go to the newspapers. They've got to listen to us. Yeah, those newspaper guys are always very nice. You know that, Jerry? They've got a lot of influence, too. Hey, Jerry, do you know Walter Winchell? You mean the head of the FBI? <laughs> Do we know any reporters? No, but we're standing right in front of a newspaper of us now. Let's go in. Come on, Dean. Follow me down this corridor. I've been here before. I'll find someone who'll believe our murder story. I'm right behind you, Jerry. Hey, this is quite a big newspaper office at that. Yeah. Oh, look, Dean. There's the editor's office. He's the one we want. Come on in here. Yes? Hey, what's the idea of bringing that Dalmatian in here? That's not a Dalmatian, that's Jerry Lewis. A dog with a last name? No, no, you don't quite understand. I'm Jerry Lewis. I'm a fella. <laughs> you see, Mr. Editor, we live over at the Plaza Hotel and we saw a murder. Oh, I know all about it. And I know all about you, too. Hey, Murphy, throw these two bums out of here. <laughs> okay, boss. Come on, kiddies. Dowdy's gonna kiss you goodbye. Well, here we are, out in the street again. Fine thing. Murder's committed. Nobody cares. I guess here after we better just mind our own business. Yeah, that's the best way. Two nuts that are running loose, grab them. Look, where'd Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis? We know, we know. We're taking you to a nice, quiet place in the country where you can work the whole thing out. Come on, Joe, get the jackets on them. Hey, let me go, will you? What's the idea? I'm Dean Martin, the singer. No, you're not Dean Martin. You're Bing Crosby. (laughs) Come on, into the car, boys. But where are you taking us? Oh, don't worry. You'll like it there. You'll meet a lot of your old friends. Old friends? Who? Oh, like Napoleon? Napoleon? But he's been dead so long, he'll never remember me. (laughs) I'll introduce you. Now, come on, get in the car. Dean. Yeah, Jer? This guy's taking us for a ride, Dean. I've seen it a million times in the movies. They take us to a lonely road and leave us to die. We're lost. We wander around hopeless, starving, we're hungry. There's nothing to eat, and we finally start looking at each other like cannibals. And you come over to me and start feeling where the white meat is and lean. Why? Take big bites, don't let me suffer. Stop it, Jeff. Okay, boys, here we are. Hey, Jerry, look at the sign on the cake. Dr. Heimer Sanitarium. 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 
a sanatorium? A, a serotonium? Oh. Why are they taking us here? We've always been sanitary. <laughs> Come on, boys, right across this patch of grass. Gee, wooden grass. Just a minute, I'll open the door. Gee, it's just like a hospital. Look at this barred door with a sign on it. It says, don't open this door. Men inside crazy as bed bugs. Pardon me, son. I know what the sign on our cell door says, but it's not true. We're not crazy. Would you do something to get us released? Gee, you sure sound all right to me. Don't you worry, mister. I'll, I'll try and get you out of here. Oh, thank you, son. Thank you. Believe me, if you can do it, you'll have the eternal gratitude of all us bedbugs. <laughs> Really getting nervous. Let's get out of here. Yeah, maybe we can sneak through this door. Maybe it leads to an exit. Well, well, come in, boys. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Sophie, what are you doing in the plate? Play, play, uh, Sophie! <laughs> Do it again. So, how's the family? <laughs> What are you doing in a place like this? Shh, quiet. In a place like this, I am a trustee here. <laughs> I am in charge of the petty cash. <laughs> Sophie, they trust you with their money? Yeah, and they think I'm crazy. <laughs> Isn't that silly now? Now, how could I be crazy? Just look at me. I'm, I'm handsome. I'm, I'm suave. Curly hair. 940 miles tall. Four feet wide. 940 miles tall and four feet wide. Yeah, I was born on a train between New York and Chicago. <laughs> oh, stop, Toby. We're in an awful jam. Dean and I saw a murder being committed, and we reported it to the police, and now here we are here. Oh, you're here, eh? You saw a murder, huh? Well, I'll tell you, you'll be all right. The only trouble with you is that you have got a new roses. Yeah, I know. I traded in my old roses. <laughs> You said I have neurosis, which is a sickness, see? But when you said new roses, I said I traded in for my old roses. It's all a form of a gag. It's just funny because the words sounded alike, and uh, look how he's staring at me. Now, Sophie, tell us, what's the real reason that you're here? Well, I am, uh, I'm learning a business, you know. I may open up a place of my own. Well, where will you get the customers? Why, all of my friends will come. Ah, oh, you haven't got any friends who belong in a place like this? I haven't. I certainly do. Certainly do. I got... One of them is in the third cell down the hall now. Guy thinks he's an airplane. <laughs> hey, look, look. Here he comes now. <laughs> well, what do you know? He changed his mind. I'll tell you, I'll see if I can get you. I'll see if I can get you out of here. But first, let's see if we can convince the doctor that you are sane, eh? Come on. Oh, come in, gentlemen. Come in. 
Oh, you'll have to excuse me, but I feel terrible. Bad news, very bad news. I lost my uncle in the East. He stepped down to get into a Hudson. <laughs> what about it? It was the Hudson River. <laughs> hey, Soapy, isn't this guy slightly nuts himself? Well, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. He's got a good reason. You know, once, once when he was operating on a patient, and after he sewed him up, found out that he left his telephone inside. Hey, that's terrible. That's what drove him out of his mind, eh? Oh, yeah, naturally. They were phoning him from Hollywood calling. <laughs> All right, now. We'll give you the word association test. Just say the first word that pops into your head. Ready now? Table. Girl. Carpet. Girl. Chair. Girl. This little schnook is really nuts. <laughs> He thinks he's Errol Flynn. <laughs> uh, come on, Jay, do it right or we'll never get out of here. All right, now, once more. Cat. Meow. Dog. <laughs> Towel. Boom. <laughs> what was that? Cannon towel. <laughs> well, the word association test is no good. Come here, I'm going to tap your head with this little hammer. First in front, then in the back, now in the front of the next. Oh, shucks, another single-headed fellow. <laughs> I leave you in here alone while I go get the head psychiatrist. Oh, now we're in for it, Jerry. I know how these psychiatrists work. They make you lie down on a couch and they cross-examine you. Well, I'll lie down on it. Oh, this is comfortable. So these guys just ask a bunch of questions, huh? Start talking, Jerry. What do I talk about? Tell me, did you ever have dreams as a child? No. You see, I was an incubator baby. <laughs> do you have dreams now? Yes. What do you dream about? Pressure cookers. <laughs> well, let's try another angle. How much is one and one? Two. How much is two and two? Let's go back to one and one. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jerry, cut that out. Come on, I hear footsteps in the hall. Oh, the psychiatrist was busy at the meeting, but I, I told the board about you two and got a ruling on your case. Now, I don't want you to be hurt, but it's obvious that you two are not quite like us. <laughs> Come on, doctor, what's the ruling? Get out of this asylum immediately, both of you. Get out? Yes, and don't you dare ever come around bothering us bedbugs again. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jerry, our hotel room never looked so good before. But after what we've been through, the police and that sanitarium, anything would look good. Yeah, what a day. And all because we thought we saw a murder. Remember? I pulled up the shade to see if it was raining like this. And I happened to look across the court and... Bing! What's the matter, Jack? Look, a guy with a gun. He's repeating the murder for the West Coast. <laughs> wait, wait, I'll call the police. No, no, that won't do any good. Look, he's... Jerry, we've got to get the police. Yeah, no, wait a minute. <laughs> Jerry, what are you laughing at? Look! 
The vixen just turned into a can of red hard dog food. <laughs> Jerry, you're hysterical. No, I'm not, Dean. Don't you see? All this trouble was for nothing. There were no murders. All the time we've been just seeing a television show. Lock <laughs> on those new 72-inch screens. <laughs> And that's the Martin and Lewis show from November 14, 1949. The Boys Witness a Murder, starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, also in the cast Ben Alexander and Sheldon Leonard. Sheldon Leonard, Lisa, he was a big producer of Television Boy. He produced The Andy Griffith Show and I Spy, Dick Van Dyke Show, Make Room for Daddy. I mean, he was amazing. Also, Jim Backus in the cast. He was Thurston Howell III in Lovey, remember? On Gilligan's Island. And Flo McMichaels uh, sustaining over NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360. It's time now, Lisa, for Escape. Let's go back to April 8, 1954 for The Scarlet Plague starring Vic Perrin. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. decay and desolation, looking down on what was once a great city, while coming slowly to meet you, her hand stretched out in greeting to you, is a beautiful girl whose very existence may be the cause of your death. Listen now as Escape brings you Jack London's classic novel, The Scarlet Plague. I am recording this only for myself, for my own sanity. Perhaps even from some age-old sense of duty. For I have not the slightest hope that it will ever be heard by any living human being. I was at one time a professor of English literature in the great university at San Francisco. Professor James Smith. A man who believed in reason, in intellect, and who abhorred the instincts of animal nature. But that was before, before the terror and the madness of the Scarlet Plague. This morning I killed a sheep with my bare hands, then squatting on the ground, I tore a haunch from my prey and ate it raw. It began simply on a Monday morning, as I recall. I was having breakfast at the counter in the campus cafeteria with Bill Dombey of the physiology department. 
He was glancing over the front page of the morning paper. Uh, I don't know why I do it, Jim. Do what? Buy a paper every morning. Nothing changes but the date. <laughs> Senator so-and-so back in Washington after whirlwind tour. Love nest killing in Omaha. New bomb tested into a talk schedule. What, the... What's that item down at the bottom? Where? Down the corner. New York fights scarlet plague. Some news reporter's pipe dream, I suppose. Uh, nine persons have died since last evening of a strange malady which has left doctors at Manhattan hospitals admittedly baffled. The disease, if it is, the disease strikes without warning and slays its victim in less than an hour. Apparently, the first symptoms are a feeling of well-being and lightheadedness, accompanied by a slight rise in temperature. A few minutes later, a fiery red rash appears on the hands and face and spreads rapidly over the entire body. Within 10 to 30 minutes, the victim goes into coma and dies. Ridiculous. There's no disease that acts like that. It's food poisoning, something of that sort. Please, Bill, I'm eating. Medical authorities are unanimously agreed, however, that no general danger exists and that there is no cause for public concern or alarm, which is double talk for we don't know what it is yet. Hmm. What about a mutation? Mutation of what? Well, how do I know? You're the physiologist. Oh, you're talking about those scare stories, I suppose. Harmless virus or bacteria mutates and throws down some new deadly type. Antibiotics won't touch it. Medical science helpless. A million people wiped out overnight. It's a possibility, isn't it? Oh, Jim, bacteria strains are always mutating. And usually the mutation is less harmful than the parent. That idea has been overworked for years. Pass the cream, please. Oh. Bill? Hmm? Is it a possibility or not? Yes. It's a possibility. <laughs> That's the first portion of Escape. We'll have the conclusion after these words. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now, let's get back to The Scarlet Plague, starring Vic Perrin on Escape. Hey, you're stalling, Jim. That rook's the only piece you can move, and you know it. Don't rush me now. I've still got the queen back here. Let's see. Hmm. And here is the latest development on the Scarlet Plague. No, the Scarlet Plague. The following Plague. statement was released uh, uh, a few minutes uh, uh, ago I would by move the director them, of you? the Bureau of Public Health. <laughs> Up to this hour, the official death toll in greater New York is 321 persons. In Boston, 94. Washington, D.C., 111. Chicago, 181. <laughs> Medical Spreading like wildfire, yeah. Working around the clock. It is expected momentarily that the causative agent of the disease will be isolated and an effective treatment prescribed. Meanwhile, stay home and stay calm. We return you now to Dance Time. Turn it off, Jim. How can it spread so fast? It's hard to tell, not knowing the period of incubation, whether it's airborne, contagious by contact, how long it's contagious before the symptoms show up, not even knowing what it is, in fact. One thing sure, though, something's got to be done fast. I guess we can call ourselves lucky out here. There hasn't been a case reported in San Francisco. No, not yet. 
breathers of this world are dead, you still shall live. Such virtue hath my pen, where breath most breathes, even in the mouths of men. Now, I did not choose this particular sonnet because of possible contemporary suitability, but because it does, I think, best keynote the transitional phase that later... that later appears in the philosophies and the poetic... Is something wrong back there? Mrs. Smith! Yes, what's the trouble, Miss Baxter? It's the Scarlet Plague! Now wait! Now wait! Morley, Everett, wait and give me a hand here. Miss Wilson. Mr. Smith, look at my hands. My arms all red. Now, Miss Wilson. I feel so strange. Cold and numb. I'm dying. Everyone who gets it dies. I'm only 19 and I'm dying. There, there. When all breathers of this world are dead, you... Now it's in San Francisco. I sat for a long time in the empty classroom, paralyzed by shock, by a strange fear I'd never felt before, the fear of the unknown. The girl had walked into my class smiling and talking, and now she lay dead at the back of the room. Why? How could it happen so suddenly? What had caused the plague? Where had the terror started? And where would it end? I went to the faculty club. Bill Dombey was listening to the latest reports. Reports from around the nation include the following figures. Greater New York estimated 184,000 deaths. Philadelphia estimated 150,000 deaths. St. Louis estimated 83,000 deaths. Chicago, one moment please. A bulletin has just been handed to me from London. The Scarlet Plague is raging in Europe. Unofficial reports from Russia estimate the death toll in Moscow at 180,000 with additional millions dead and dying throughout the Soviet Union and China. New bulletins will be broadcast whenever they are received for as long as our facilities last. And we... No word of any cure yet? Uh, Jim, I... I didn't hear you come in. I just walked across the campus. It's completely deserted. Yes. Guess the faculty club here is the only holdout. And at that, there are only four... Four? Counting you... Mower Blake of Graphic Arts. She went over to her room to pack some keepsakes. She'll be back. Dr. Barnes is out in the kitchen trying to rustle up something to drink. Bill, that girl who died in my class a while ago, one minute she was all right, and a minute later she was dead. Well, it's fast. That's one thing. Can you get it from contact? I lifted her head. I put some books under it. Nobody knows how you get it. I don't suppose contact matters much. It couldn't be all contact. Not millions of cases in less than 48 hours. Well, why can't they find a cure? They've had two days now. What are they all doing? Dying, Jim, like everybody else. Zombie, Smith. Oh, Dr. Barnes. Here. Maybe this will help. Scotch. Why not? There's a whole case of it out there. 
I think it might be a good idea to keep that radio on. Yes, you're probably right, Dr. Barnes. Technicians, engineers, they've died by thousands all over the country. How much longer can services like radio, yes, telephones, transportation... Ago. All conveyances, regardless of ownership or occupancy, are being stopped and turned back at Army control points. Stay where you are. Do not attempt to travel. You are no safer in one place than another. The plague is everywhere. Repeat, the plague is everywhere. It won't stop. Everywhere. No, they'll still try to run. Yes, anywhere, just as long as it's somewhere else. Not mutinied. Repeat, the Army has not mutinied. It must be getting rough out there. signed by Edmund C. Dover, Senate member and acting president of the United States, and by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In a bulletin just handed to me, Johns Hopkins regretfully states that Dr. Theodore von Zwickler, who had earlier announced partial success in identifying the causative agent of the plague, has just died. Though Dr. Zwickler left no notes on his work, hospital personnel continue to... What happened uh, to the lights? I, a power failure, I guess. It was bound to happen sooner or later. There's a flashlight in that desk drawer. I got it. There's a portable radio with batteries in the game room. Oh, let's leave it for the moment, Dr. Bond. Yes, the liquor sounds better than the news. Well, in that case... I wonder what's keeping Miss Blake. She was coming right back. Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? Where's that light coming from? Looks like a fire. Maybe we can see from the windows. Not one fire, a thousand fires. Down there, toward the bay. Berkeley, Oakland, and over in the city. Why? What started them? Open. Can't you hear why, Jim? Gunfire. Yes. They're not waiting for the plague to do the job. No. They're already out in force. The looters, the maimers, the robbers, people with a hate and a grievance. If it started already, it'll get a lot worse. Oh, yes. It'll get worse. We stood at the window of the faculty club, looking out across the campus, down over the hills toward the bay, where fires lit up the growing night, and where even fiercer fires of greed and lust and hate burned in hearts that were beating their last hours or even seconds of life in this world. For a world was dying at our feet. And though we had so far been spared, we knew we too were dying with it. Contact is still being maintained with Buenos Aires. And since London overseas went silent a few minutes ago, this is now our only contact outside continental North America. It makes you know you're we alone. We are at present able really to maintain alone. contact yes, with only two stations in this country, Washington and Chicago. The West Coast has been silent for some 30 minutes. And we do not know whether we are being heard there at this time. Oh, this is unbelievable. At the moment, we are waiting for word from Washington naming the new president of the United States to replace Edmund C. Dover, who died on the Senate platform while attempting to conduct... Uh, What's the use? Well, are we still agreed on leaving? We must. If by some miracle we do survive, we'll be out of food here in three days. And tonight may be the last chance to find any. Probably looting every store in the Bay Area. Grocery stores, liquor stores, jewelers, fur shops. More the reason to get started now, then. Right. If we can make three or four trips with the station wagon tonight, we ought to be set here for quite a while. Uh, what about those pistols, Dr. Barnes? You oh. said there were a couple in the safe. Yes, I'll, I'll get them. It's funny how things are changing. He was chancellor of this university. Now he's foraging for food. Yes, well, I'll gas up the station wagon and get it over here so we can... Dr. Barnes, 
anybody here? Well, Jim, turn that flashlight on the door. Myra. Jim, thank heaven you're still here. Oh, Dr. Barnes was worried about you, Myra. He just went into the other room. I'll tell him you're here. All right, Jim. I was afraid there might not be anybody here. I was hurrying to get back, and I caught my heel on the edge of the walk and fell. I think I hit my head. Tripped and fell, the whole world dying, and you trip and fall. I guess it is funny. Myra? Bill, what is it? What's wrong? Dr. Barnes is lying just outside. Dead. Plague? Yes. But he got the pistols. Thanks. Do you know how to use one of these, Jim? In a general way. Well, we'd better get started, Bill. We shouldn't be too long, Myra. You're not going to leave me here alone. Well, she's right, Jim. I wouldn't want to be left alone either. All right. Let's go. We tried the Oakland docks first. The big food warehouses along the railroad tracks. It was a dead end. From a mile away, we could see the blaze towering into the night sky. The whole dock area was in flames. We swung the station wagon back onto the ramp and headed across the Bay Bridge toward the city itself, fighting our way in and out of the jumbled traffic and the terrified crowds on foot, turning and twisting among the dead and dying. You've got to go back, Bill. This is getting worse every block. Yeah, I know. Trying to get a chance to turn around. There's there's an alley there by the hotel. Maybe you can edge in there. It's worth a try anyway. Look out, Bill! Hey, watch who you're bumping into. Sorry? I ain't taking a push around from nobody. Not anymore, you understand? I told That's you. That's on of what I got. You take a look at a 45 wise oh, guy. Oh, careful, Bill. He's drunk. Look close and you can see the bullet coming out. Watch that. No! <laughs> I bet he saw it all right. I bet he got a real good look. He's it. crazy, Myra. Come on, hurry. We've got to get out of here. What about the other man? We'll leave the car. Come on, out this side. This way, Myra. The hotel entrance. Out of the way. One side. Step aside. All right, come on. What can we do, Jim? They saw us. Come in. They'll be after us any second. The stairway there. Next to the elevator. Hurry, Myra. Maybe we can find a room, some place to hide in case they come up the stairs. Try that one, Jim. All right. Sorry. Come on in and live. That's what all of us are doing. Living while we're dying. Party. Come on in. We got plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Fifty pounds of diamonds, tons of money, lots of women, and not a worry in the world. Come on, Myra, let's go. Sore heads. Come on, Lily, open another bottle. Jim, where can we go? Well, the hotel's about... Twelve or fourteen stories high. The elevators aren't working. I doubt if anybody would bother us on one of the top floors, they wouldn't have any reason to climb up there. You want to try it? All right, Jim. Let's go. For five days, we stayed on the top floor of the hotel and no one came up to bother us. Twice, with pistol in hand, I left Myra in the room 
and slipped down into the streets to forage for food and supplies. Gradually, over the three days, I saw the mobs diminish, thin out, as the Scarlet Plague continued to rage unchecked. Then finally, on the morning of the sixth day, I brought Myra down from the room to see what had happened to the city. There's not a person in sight, Jim. No one but us. Not another living soul as far as you can see. Listen. There's not a sound. A dead world. But there must be others, Jim. Not just us. They're hiding. We'll take a car and drive and look for them. There must be others. <laughs> But she was wrong. We drove for a hundred miles, all over the city and the countryside around it. And when we finally stopped on a hill above the bay, we knew that there was not another living soul in the whole city. We were the only human beings left alive in San Francisco. And most likely the only ones in the entire world. But why, Jim? Why us and no one else? I, I don't know why. I don't know why any of this. It's, it's just too vast to begin to comprehend. But we're alive. That's the only thing that's certain. We're both alive. To be alone, to be the only living human in the world, would mean terror. Absolute Terror and insanity. I feel guilty somehow. Being alive when everyone else is dead. No. There can't be any guilt when you don't have a choice. It was nothing we did. And besides, Myra, don't you see what it means? Since we've been spared, mankind itself has been spared, and, and civilization. We'll have children. We'll teach them. See that they remember and pass on the greatness of the past. Yes. Oh, yes. Together. Together we can do it. We can give mankind another chance. You and I, Myra. We can keep it from being lost forever. Together, everything is different. There's a new hope. Something to live for and work for. And we... We... What's wrong, Jim? Myra. What? Your face. It's turning scarlet. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you The Scarlet Plague by Jack London, specially adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield, starring Vic Perrin. Featured in the cast were Parley Bear, Virginia Gregg, and John Daner, with Eleanor Tannen, John Larch, Barney Phillips, and Sam Edwards. Your announcer, George Walsh. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... You are standing in the bedroom of an English inn. The sound of revelry coming faintly up the stairs. But in the shadows across the room from you... The gun in his hand already aimed at you is an enemy agent, 
whose success depends upon your death. So listen next week when Escape brings you Ben Wright's story, Affair at Mandrake. Every Saturday evening at the Star's Address, enjoy William Conrad as Marshal Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke. It's a drama of the frontier of America in the 1870s. Authentic, dramatic, and full of the lore that made the American cowboy a part of our national heritage. Remember, Gunsmoke, Saturday night. Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons, is heard Friday nights on the CBS Radio Network. And that's Escape from April 8th, 1954, with The Scarlet Plague starring Vic Perrin, also in the cast, Barney Phillips, John Daner, Parley Bear. Now, Parley Bear, Lisa, was the Keebler elf on the television commercials. He was also the mayor on the Andy Griffith show, remember? I do. Remember I, the mayor on that? I used to that? watch yeah. that show. Sam Edwards and Virginia Gregg. That was sustaining over CBS. This is a 1954 radio broadcast. It's, it, radio was still end, it was still hanging on, though. You know, there was a lot of disc jockey shows and kind of rock and roll music and things. And CBS was devoted still to radio drama. They they held out longer than any of the other networks. And here's a perfect example, Escape from 1954, still, still doing a great job with a radio drama. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Just want to remind all of our listeners that we have a podcast for this show. Don't miss it. You know, a lot of times uh, people say, you know, I missed an hour of the show or this station only carries two of the four hours or whatever it is because this is a syndicated radio show, folks. So we've decided to offer a podcast of all four hours of Hollywood 360 every single week plus a bonus hour of classic radio by just uh, going to our podcast, which is available at Hollywood360radio.com. And when you're there, check out our store with... Thousands and thousands of classic radio shows available on CD and via digital download. There's also classic television programming on DVD, all kinds of fun stuff. So check it out, Hollywood360radio.com. Next week, it's Crime and Peter Chambers. That'll be the first time we aired one of those. Then it's The Great Gildersleeve, Dimension X, Suspense, The Aldrich Family, and Inner Sanctum Mysteries. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, engineer Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. 
To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at Hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.